strikes you about this passage? Is it the use of scripture? The description of God and his deliberate plans and foreknowledge of the situation that is described? Or is it Peter and all that he shows us? Is it the reminder that if we want to be a church on fire, the church alive, we need to be courageous. We need to be more like Peter. We need to be bold, brave, heroic, lion-hearted, fearless, even audacious. We need to take courage from being a noun, a describing word, and turn it into a verb, a doing word. We need to take courage, as we see Peter do, to spread the word of the gospel. In order to understand how significant Peter addressing the crowd was, we need to know more about who he was. So what do we know about him? He was a fisherman by trade, one of the first disciples called by Jesus. He came from a small fishing and farming village called Capernaum. It was a place where Jesus had fled to for safety. He was leading a pretty simple life. He was married, had his own little fishing business. He worked hard because fishing is not an easy profession. He had to be brave and fearless to face the unpredictable nature of the waters where he fished. He would have been quite physically strong, maybe a bit rough around the edges, probably a bit of a potty mouth. Not a well-educated man, maybe, but someone that we can see from the reading who knew his scripture, so was knowledgeable about Old Testament teaching. His life changed after his first encounter with Jesus. When Jesus asked him to follow him and told him he would make Peter a fisher of men, he did it. He just gave it all up to follow Jesus, a first sign of courage. He would have heard talk of who Jesus was through John the Baptist, who he was already following. But now he decided he was going to leave his business, his hometown, and follow this itinerant speaker who he knew very little about, but knew he was the son of God. Quite an audacious move, really. We learn also through gospel teaching that Peter was temperamental, outspoken. He showed his fears and his doubts. I hope this might work. No. We're looking for math. That's the one. In Matthew 14, verse 29, we see... When Jesus calls Peter out onto the water, he showed obedience, but he's overcome with fear and doubts, and he begins to sink. In John 18, verse 10, we see how he became angry, drew a sword and cut off the soldier's ear after Jesus' arrest in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was quite temperamental. We go on to discover that despite being curious and courageous and following Jesus to the courts after his arrest, Again, he is overcome with anxiety of the consequence of knowing Jesus and denies him three times. An act he deeply regretted but was able to reconcile with Jesus over after his death and resurrection. So what we see in Peter is a normal, imperfect human being. Someone with raw emotions, fears and doubts. A follower who shows loyalty and protectiveness and lots of other mixed character traits. And this is what makes him so relatable to us when we read this passage. A slight change of pace. Hopefully. Nope. I'm not good with this, Josh. <laughs> I'm looking for that one. Okay, I'm going to use our imaginations for a moment. Come with me, if you will, to where we find Peter first in the book of Acts, just before his great speech to the crowd. He was dwelling in the upper room with the other disciples, waiting. Let's imagine how they must have been feeling at that time. 
It's not something that's written about very much, but let's use our imaginations to set the scene. <clears throat> the 12 had been with Jesus for about three years of traveling. They'd watched him teach, seen him carry out miraculous healings. He'd loved those unloved by others. They had grown close to him as companion and follower. They'd watched him get arrested under the cover of darkness, seen him put to death in an unfair and unjust way. And they'd seen him raised from the dead. They'd been wrestling with their doubts. They'd been reconciled with him and overjoyed at his return, only for him to leave them again, but this time for good, with a parting promise of a gift better than the baptism of water. But what was it? They would have been grieving, sad at their loss, angered at the betrayal of Judas, their companion turned betrayer. While they waited for this gift, I'm sure they were very confused, trying to make sense of everything that had happened over the preceding 50 days. Quite an emotional roller coaster, an emotion charged room, perhaps. And like any group of Jesus followers gathered together, they'd probably talked over scripture, mulled over the prophecy from times gone by that they had seen fulfilled in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. It would have been an interesting place to be waiting. And then, bam, it hits them a strong wind and the tongues of fire, the gift they'd been waiting for. The gift of the Holy Spirit now resting on them, giving them the ability to speak in other languages. The ability to speak with those around them in a language that they understood and a way to explain the mystery and wonder of God. As you can imagine, it drew quite a crowd because some were not convinced. If we go back, and I don't have the slide, but in verse 13, it says, Some, however, made fun of them and said, They'd had too much wine. And this is where our hero of the story, Peter, enters. Remember, he's quite temperamental, probably emotional, but he's filled with the Holy Spirit, giving him a supernatural ability to talk with these people with authority, and he takes it. He sees an opportunity to address the crowd as he would have seen Jesus do. He spoke loudly and told them to listen carefully. He spoke in no uncertain terms because he wanted them to understand what was happening here. He was bold and told the crowd they were not drunk, but th this was the fulfillment of a prophecy. Then he moves on to focusing on who Jesus was. He shared how Jesus was a man filled with the Spirit of God, sent by God to perform miracles, signs and wonders, and how he'd been handed over by these people to be put to death but had been raised to life again as witnessed by the disciples. He had fulfilled what the prophet Joel had said would happen. Now this would have had an impact on the crowd because they would have known the teachings of the prophet Joel and they had been waiting for this day. He goes on to say that Jesus had been exalted to God's right hand as foretold in the Psalm David. Jesus has poured out his Holy Spirit to offer forgiveness and the gift of the Spirit to those who repented and believed and could, would be baptised, adding to the community of followers that day. It's quite a day for Peter. It was the day of the birth of the church when over 3,000 people gave their life to follow Jesus. A day when Peter saw an opportunity to share, and he took it. But what about now? What about for us? For me, and possibly others, I wonder how can I be faithful, like Peter, to the gospel and share that in a way that resonates with the people around me today. In a culture where faith is not talked about in a particularly positive light, 
where people put their faith in so many things other than Jesus, and to so many, faith has become culturally irrelevant. Is my first port of call scripture like we see Jesus do? Or do I speak of Jesus? Or is it neither? And I felt totally challenged at this point when I was writing this talk. You see, like Peter, I've got loads of Jesus stories. I could tell you about the healing of a close relative who had a slim chance of survival when she had stage four cancer. This is just gratuitous in terms of, it's my fam. Yay! I could show you this picture of my nephew on the right and my nieces on the left who are 12 and my nieces who turned seven yesterday who are a gift from God. Even the medical teams were praying for my sister along with lots of family and friends when fertility treatments were really difficult. And this was the result of them. Woohoo! I can share about the peace I see resting on family members when I know they've been filled with anxiety. Or I could even share my own testimony of how God transformed my messy life, a life I lived within destructive patterns of behaviour with no self-love, no self-worth, low self-esteem and no direction at all. To a person who is transformed by love and joy, peace and stability, I have a purpose and a direction and it's all through my relationship with Jesus. And I can even back it up with scripture. In Galatians 5 verse 1, whoa, spoiler, there's a chicken coming. Also, another spoiler, we got the wrong slide there, and it was Galatians 5.2, which is about circumcision, which I will not be talking about this morning. That's not my bag, don't know anything about that. So, Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And on the whole, I can live in that truth, because I am not a slave to my old ways anymore. And I know that I live in the fruits of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22 tells me that I can live in love, joy, peace, still the chicken, <laughs> forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I could also tell you about Jesus' character and what I know about him, who he is, what he's done, and what he can do for you. But for pretty much all of us in this space today, we know that already, because each of us know Jesus. We've met him. So, what's my point? In a way, I feel like I'm talking to the wrong people. Not now, but in general. Because who do I share this with? And what do I share? Most of my life, I'm surrounded by other believers. I work for a church. Most of my meetings are at a church. Or I go to other meetings at other churches. I go to conferences to listen to Christian speakers, talk to other Christians. Most of my friends are Christians and a lot of my family. I share my story with Jesus knowers and lovers. And while that builds my faith and the faith of those around me, I actually have a burning desire to share my faith with others who do not yet know him. You see, going back to our passage this morning, that's what Peter did. Peter was a courageous game changer. And that's my challenge to me and to you. How can we be courageous game changers? If we want to see the church alive, if we want to see our church on fire, we need to be courageous game changers. P 
Peter saw the, cr the crowd and didn't see it as an obstacle, he saw it as an opportunity. He wasn't put off by the size of the crowd there in front of him. He didn't let his past fears and doubts get in his way. His emotions and feelings didn't hold him back. He trusted in his knowledge and experience of who Jesus was because he had spent time with him. He knew his scripture so he could back up what he was saying. And on that day and in future, he followed the leading of the Holy Spirit that gave him the ability and the authority to speak out. Do we sometimes put obstacles in our own way? Do our doubts hold us back? Do we feel embarrassed sharing our stories of God's love and faithfulness in our life? Or our experience of what it's like having Jesus by our side? You see, without courage, we stay in our comfort zone. I'm a big fan of my comfort zone. This is not it, but I'm all right. Without courage, we can miss opportunities. But if we are courageous, we can achieve great things. Without courage, we can't do things like this, enter the chicken. <laughs> we can't send our vicar out on the street dressed as a chicken or my daughter dressed as an egg. We don't carry a large love sign up to the high street and give away gifts with love. We don't invite people to find out who we are and offer an invitation to meet Jesus. It's all about relationship. I know that we, when we've been out on the high street or we've been on prayer walks, we've had the opportunity to have conversations about our faith, and some of those were easier than others. But we're starting them. We're starting to get known. So what does our crowd look like? It may not be 3,000 people, but how do those around us see us behaving differently? Those in the office, those at school, at the gym, wherever our crowd is on the high street or at the Spoons pub quiz? Do they see us being calm in the face of adversity? Generous with our time, gifts, talents, even in our own time of need? Are we prepared to share in those places? Have we thought about a short God incident in our life that we could tell them if the opportunity arises? Another thing we see in this passage of Acts is a revival of faith in God, the start of the church, and that's what we're crying out for here in Felton. You see, revival starts when people have been gathered together, spending time worshipping, absorbing the word of God, sharing faith stories and praying together. Andy's been sharing those with us since we launched in January, and I can't now remember, I've gone a total mind blank. Small church, Scotland, lots of old ladies prayed, Hebrides, did this praying thing, loads of people came to faith. That's what we want. <laughs> the disciples gathered, they waited, and they shared. They waited in the upper room. You see, this is where we gather to do that. This is one of our upper rooms. This is where we practice, it's where we build up. This is where we share our stories, our confusion. It's where we grow our passion. It's where we think up our opportunities, where we grow in our courage, we share ideas and visualize the benefits. We surround ourselves with cheerleaders, just like Peter. In Acts 2, verse 14, it says, he stood with the 11 because they knew him and they supported him. This is where we grow in our faith. We also see that where we go, we grow. Peter took this opportunity to speak for the first time in front of a massive crowd, something he had never done before. But he grew. When he did it, he grew in his faith. Spoiler alert, he did it again. 
And again, he then went on to speak to so many more unbelievers, as we all read later on in the book of Acts. And he added to the number of followers of Jesus every time. On that day of Pentecost, that marked the descent of the Holy Spirit onto the disciples and the first followers of Jesus. It was a dramatic event fulfilling prophecy. A pivotal moment in history in how humanity experienced God. At a time where it had been only those that had been called out, like the high priests, so others could call on God, a new day dawned. God poured out his spirit on men and women, young and old, slave and free. And it was explained by an ordinary man to many. A fisherman by trade, someone rough round the edges, who lacked discretion sometimes. But he was someone commissioned by God to be a game changer. And we've already had the Great Commission in Matthew 28 to go and make disciples. We, like Peter, are called to be fishers of men. We need to show courage, be prepared to show up, to share and open up the possibilities of the gospel to people who have never experienced it. The Holy Spirit is not just for salvation alone, it's for service too. It's to equip us for all that God has called us to do off the day, off the back of that day that was marked in history. So as we head back into our spheres of life, our own crowds as we leave here, our workplaces, our homes, our friendships and families, as we meet together in our missional community groups for the first time, or when we gather here on a Wednesday to pray or a Sunday, we need to be asking God for that courage to be game changers for the kingdom. We're just going to spend some time praying, if that's okay, as I draw to a close. Shall we stand? Just going to invite us to take a moment just to close our eyes and to to think about where we are right now and um, and what we see in Peter and and, um, and what he did that day when he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I just want to pray over each one of us. Father God, I just want to pray that each one of us will be filled afresh with your Holy Spirit. Lord, will you build us up to be men and women of courage? Will we obey you above all else and listen for your calling, Father God? Will you help us to bear witness to our faith in all that we do, whatever the cost? Father, by your Holy Spirit, will you build us up with courage to be game changers, like we see in the witness of Jesus and the teaching of Peter? Lord, we want to see the lives of people here in Felton changed as we pray for your kingdom come in in our lives, Lord, and in the lives of those around us.